Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To infiltrate the Oscars with our movie on how to save a mockingbird? Yeah, yeah w- wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, 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 oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Double Feature Versus where we have double the films, uh, double the original Batman. Michael Keaton. I didn't know he was in both of these movies. I didn't I he either. In... Yeah, like today, guys, we're talking about um, two films that are based off, um, you know, um, based off a true story. We're talking about Spot uh, Spotlight uh, and um, Aaron Sorkin's The Child of Chicago 7. I think Tom McCarthy was the one that did Spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did not know. I knew Michael Keaton was in Spotlight. I didn't know he was going to be in Trial to Chicago 7. Yeah, because I watched Spotlight first and then I watched Trial. And when Keaton popped up, it was like, hold on a minute. <laughs> since since right, when right. is he in here? <laughs> but he has a very minor role in that movie. While Spotlight, he is one of the main cast. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It was my uh, first time watching both of these movies. So, Same for uh, me. I remember hearing about Spotlight back in the day, and I just never watched it. And then uh, for this one, Trial of the Chicago 7, uh, it's been on my watch list because same. I've had like six different people tell me I need to watch this, some of which aren't even like movie watchers. They're like, did you watch Trial of the Chicago 7? Uh, so. Same here. Well, no, I haven't had people recommend it to me, but you know, I'm an Aaron Sorkin fan. Um, I love his writing, and um, mm-hmm. I wanted to see. I didn't see Molly's Game yet, which was his, which was his like directorial debut, which I hear is good. So I had this in Chicago Seven on my list. Oh, we we definitely had to do a Molly's Game one because I definitely want your thoughts on that one. Okay, um, you want to go Spotlight first? Yeah, let's do Spotlight first. Yeah, man. Um, when I first um, when this film first came out, I knew it was I knew it was one of those you know good films that just is like kind of like. Whether it's intentional or not, it's kind of like Oscar bait just by what it is and what it's about. Um, not saying it's purposeful Oscar bait, because obviously when you watch it, it's a different story. But um, I, I was I was a little wary because, you know, some of these, um, you know, investigative based on a true story movies can sometimes, to me at least, be a little a little sluggish. But, they can um, be very, very boring. They can. They can. Um but this one, man, it kept my attention, dude. This is a this is a very good film. Oh yeah, this is probably up there. Like putting Michael Keaton's like acting work into like his best versus his worst mm-hmm. is nearly impossible because I have yet to see his worst. <laughs> yeah, like and um, this one, he he shines in this movie absolutely. Once again. Yeah, I feel like he's one of those rare actors that, you know, he, he was on top in his era and then, you know, he kind of like 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 quietly retired for a minute. And then when he comes back in his later career, he just keeps coming out with his best work. Yeah. You know, like this is right after Birdman, ain't it? Or was is it before Birdman? This was shortly after Birdman, I think. Yeah. And Birdman was amazing, dude. Oh, like, yeah. Um, yeah, that was an amazing role for him. And, 
and I I didn't see him in Spider Man, but I heard he was good in that film. He's really good in Spider. He plays probably one of the best villains in Spider Man in terms of like you you can see it, it just with the way he acts and his like the way he can contort his face a little bit when speaking. You, you he mm-hmm. definitely has the villain vibe. I have no idea how they put him as Batman and he worked out so well because he does seem like a villain. Yeah, he 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 was he was a great Batman. He was a great Batman. Um, yeah, even like we don't want to go off on a Keaton like tangent, but just one more thing: the founder when he played that story about how McDonald's was founded. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, man, he's had a great career in his in his uh late in his late career, dude. Yeah, but in this movie, he definitely shines throughout the entire film. He is on point in every yeah, single like- scene. Let's give us give, give a quick rundown. So, Spotlight is about um this uh secret team. Well, not so secret, but kind of like low key team of investigative journalists at the Boston Globe called the Spotlight Team, and they uh, work on big stories. Um, Leave Schreiber, who comes in as the new owner of the paper, um, I think it's I think he's the new editor. I think um, he kind of uh, comes their way and tries to and recommends a new story about um. Uh, Catholic priest and um, the uh, a systemic uh, child sex abuse um, with Roman Catholic p- priest in uh, Boston. And um, well, it starts out with them just investigating one priest who right, had, right. I think, what was it, thirteen cases against him? And they were mm-hmm. like, "Look into this. See if there's a story here. And this sounds like a story." And then it just unravels to something so much bigger than that. And yeah. the big thing is the Spotlight team is just kind of that group that they only publish one article every maybe year to two years. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have a new article every week like other reporters. They're a team that they put out one article every about two years or so. And then that is like the big story for a couple months. Let me tell you something, man. With films like this, um, that's based off, you know, investigative journalists, um, you know, based on a true story kind of films. I always try to look at it from a storyteller sense, like, okay, how can you turn this into an engaging film? And I feel like it got it has two things going for it. It has a great ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, it just flows well. I, it's hard for me to put into words, but as you're seeing these these um, these journalists and we're going into their personal lives and how in Boston the you know the Catholic church is like important, like mm-hmm. the Cardinal, he's an important character. Um, like that great important scene between him and Lee Schreiber, where he's kind of not bribing leave, but kind of like in his own priesty way, kind of like warning him like, Hey, I'm, I'm the King around here. You know, it's best that we work together. And then leave kind of like denies that like, eh, the, I've always thought journalism is best worked on its own. Um, I, I feel like, the film just has a, a natural flow to it as we're seeing these characters go about, you know, digging deep into the story. And then there's a little bit of regret, too, being mm-hmm. that this was this came across their desk before. Well, Michael Keaton's desk before. And he thought like, oh, this one guy over here, he's just a little bit nuts. So we're not going to, like, publish this story and all the stuff that's being sent to us. And it's like, well, you kind of have to take accountability, too, because you knew about this this whole time. You just chose not to dig deep into it. Yeah. Yeah, that was a huge revelation in the movie, which is the fact that he had the opportunity to find out about all this 20 years ago. He had all the sources. Everybody was even asking him, why, where was he like 20 years ago? That was the time mm-hmm. 
amount, right? 20 years? I think so. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not too sure. So I remember it was a significant amount of time and everything like that. And yeah, it's it definitely, they knew how to trim the fat of this movie and the story. So everything is very important. There's no scene that's kind of wasted on them kind of scrounging around for a lead that doesn't work out or anything. They cut all that out. You only see the stuff that actually leads to something. So, so 1993. So this film is set in 2001. So that's about like eight like years. Eight years. Eight years okay. ago that they knew about it. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, man. Um, this 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 is a great cast. You know, you got um, Rachel McAdams, Stanley Tucci, you know, um, John Slattery, all these people. But the MVP dude, Mark Ruffalo. Yes, I was kind of surprised by that because this. The reason I heard about this movie in the first place way back when is the guy that plays the Incredible Hulk is in a different movie now. And yeah. it, it it was enough for me to recognize the name of it when you brought it up as uh, a movie to watch for this episode. But it wasn't right. enough back then to make me watch it. Yeah. You know. Dude, I... I, I mean, Mark Ruffalo, dude, like I knew he had chops since I saw him in um, what was this one movie that he was in? It was with uh, Laura Linney. Uh, you can count on me like he he just I feel like he, he has that chameleon sense to him, you know, even with Zodiac. And um, yeah, he he's the MVP in here because he really does embody a Bostonite with his, you know, with his tone, with his, um, you know, physical expressions like he. You can tell he really embodied his character. He was a character actor in this film. He also had some of the like best like moments in the movie where he was, right. you know, getting frustrated with people and you know, where he was actually doing a lot of the journalism himself behind the scenes of getting like the information because a lot of it we see like interviews with some of the people and everything that's going on and we see him as one of the people that's actually going around and fact-checking everything from there and trying to fight the courts to get the papers and everything like that. And he even, I, there's the one scene where he uh, goes to the courthouse to get the public files and they tell him no. So he goes to the judge who then tells him no. And he goes, well, you have to basically, you know, they're public records, regardless of how you feel about them or not, they're public records. Yeah. Right. I have to report on this, you know, and then he finds out like the copy room's closed, so he basically just pulls out all the money in his wallet and goes, "I'll pay whatever it costs for you to use your copier here." Then yeah, for all he, these papers, he believes in the story. He wants yeah. to break it no matter what. That's the important thing in the film. Like you, um, it, it, this film is really about breaking the silence. You know, this stuff is happening behind closed doors, and it's an open secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I, it seems like everybody was aware of it. Like every single time they went to a new source, they were basically told, you need to stop digging. You know, this is right. deeper than you know, and you're just going to end up getting yourself in more trouble than it's worth. Yeah, you, you see you see Michael Keaton's character at um, dinner parties and charities. And, you know, his um his friend who has a tie to the church was telling him, like, look, man, leave this alone. Like, yeah. Don't worry about this. Um which is one of the things I love about Lee Schreiber's character, who is so, I feel like he's um, he he he's he he's played down low, but he has such an impact on everything that happens in the movie because he's like, okay, I trust this story, and you have about what do you give what do you, what do you give him eight weeks uh, towards the middle of the movie, six weeks to finalize everything. 
Yeah, because he believes in the story. And there's one point where they say, "Hey, we got 90 priests here. Let's let's publish the story." He says, "No, no. Let's start from. Let's get let's get to the top. Let's get to the people who are running things." Mm-hmm. But we have 90 priests. Once we get the top, the rest will follow. Like he was a really a, um, a pragmatic editor. Like yeah, he was a great character. Oh yeah. Yeah, it, there wasn't a single, like, missed opportunity for casting on this one. Everybody that was in this movie played their part perfectly. And the emotional scenes, the scenes that need to be serious, everything was played exactly how it needed to be played in this movie. Mm-hmm. I really like the scenes between Stanley Tucci and uh, Mark Ruffalo. Like, Stanley Tucci's a centric lawyer character. Like, um, I, I liked how they connected, where, you know, these are both men who are very much so much into their work one person decided he wasn't going to get married because he 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 just he embodies his job so much and one guy is about to get married but you know he he has to he has to he has to look at stanley tushi and be like okay do i want to be like him or do i want to reel it back while also doing my job and being with my family right yeah because you see in uh the lawyer's office that he's surrounded by paperwork constantly every single time yeah and as the movie is actually progressing you can see the boxes actually stacking up higher and higher as well as it you know you see that he's taking on more cases and everything like that but he's very passionate about the work he has he still like goes i can't reveal any information for you you know there's still laws that i had to abide by but i will do everything in my power to make sure that you can legally access those files and yeah and even um and even towards the end he's still He's still doing his job. He was going in to talk to a kid that had been um, abused, you know? Yep. Um, Yeah. Yeah. These guys, I feel like these people, these are the type of heroes that are really kind of unsung in the day-to-day. And I'm glad that this movie exists. You know, I, I, um, without watching it, I say, yeah, I'm sure that's a pretty great movie. But I don't know if it's something that I would really be too interested in. But when I finally saw it, I was glad I saw it. And, um... Even the text at the end, the, you know, the epilogue text that that talks about where, you know, it was uh, reported that priests had been. Oh, the further know, reporting since the article was first published. And it was yeah, like, just what, all, three all, or four pages of just all those states and, you know, cities countries, and, and I'm cities. Like, Man. Yeah. 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 It yeah was, this is a, yeah. it was a Go big ahead. one. <laughs> it really was. It really was. Um yeah, you got anything else to uh to say about this one? Uh, just that, caught? you know, I remember hearing about this event and everything like that. And when it was like, uh, it, not when it first happened back in like 2002 is when it first published. I remember the story. Yeah, I remember the story very much. It was like a big deal and it's been referenced in a lot of media since then. In TV, um, sketch shows, stuff like that. It's it's referenced fairly often, and it's no longer a secret at all. I think South Park even has an episode about it. So it, it's mm-hmm. something that's very well known now, and it was because of the you know power put behind these journalists that it actually came out into the public eye. And even in the epilogue kind of text and everything, it says that a lot of these priests still work for the church. They're just moved to different areas and everything like that. Right. So it's it's very hidden. Like there's even the scene where they talk to one of the priests that's on the list and he admits it full on. 
that, yeah, he did molest those children. He did do this. Well, what he specifically said was, no, that wasn't molestation. Um, that wasn't that wasn't uh, that there was a difference. I should know it happened to me. I yeah. was like, well, yeah, it wasn't rape. Know. It was molestation. You know, he didn't enjoy right, it. So right. it wasn't rape. Yeah. I, which doesn't make a difference. But yeah. Yeah. It just shows like the training that they put the priest through to make them feel like, oh, yeah, this is OK. You, you didn't do anything bad. This is OK. And I'll tell you one thing, man, there was another thing where I don't I don't know what I would have. I, I would have been I would have done the same thing, but I would have been very, very uh, anxious and terrified if I was the reporter. But there was the reporter where there was a house near his home. Oh, I guess yeah. one of the priests lived in and he left the note saying, look, I can't tell you why, but tell the kids don't go near, don't get, don't go near this house. You know? Yeah. Yeah. One of the priests on the list he found out lived like right around the corner from him and everything like that. And he wanted to get the story out right away and start warning people about it. And uh, Michael Keaton's character literally said, no, we're not going to ruin this story on one priest because then they can defend one priest. If we roll it out about 90, that's a whole lot harder to defend on. Right, right. It it I changes agree. the story and I, I love how he continually, you know, everybody on the team at one point goes, "We need to publish this now. We we've got everything we need." And he goes, "No, we got to keep going deeper because if we mess this up, it, there's no recourse for it." There's no going back and fixing it. We need to get it right the first time, and we need to make it a big thing the first time, so there's no way that they can defend these actions. Mm-hmm. So it it definitely, you can feel the pressure that's on the team throughout the entire movie and the pressure that they put on themselves as well in just wanting to get this out as they realize just how deep this goes and how horrific it is. Yeah. Yeah, man. I um I like this, man. I uh I thought it was good. Uh I don't know if I'm going to go to full the 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 full mile, but I'll uh I'll give it a light 4.5 strong uh no, I'll give it a strong 4.5 light 5. I I can put this as a 5 out of 5. This is everything was in place for this movie to be as great as it was and they knocked it out of the park. It, this is a 5 out of 5 movie. Uh, not to say 5 out of 5 is absolutely perfect, but it's it's close enough to perfect that I can easily recommend this to anybody to watch and feel like they'd be able to learn something and enjoy it. I thought that was our standards. 5 out of 5 is perfect. Well, I mean, no film is totally perfect, but right. straight up awesome. Yeah, absolutely. This is... Five out of five is where I feel like anybody can sit down and watch and enjoy this movie. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's a light five for me. Which uh, brings us to the next movie on the list. Uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7 from uh, writer-director Aaron Sorkin. Uh, You want to take this one away? Yes. So this one is about the... It was 1986 riots that took place in Chicago. Uh, I don't know if it was the 80s, man. It was the 60s, late 60s. Was it 60s? Yeah, it was the late 60s. I might have the date wrong on that one. Uh, let me. It was 19, um, 1968. 1968. 
So yep. takes place after the riots have occurred. It is about the seven people that were attributed with starting the riots uh, because they were like the main heads of, you know, a lot of the protests. They led a lot of the protests and everything like that. And you can tell it, we're introduced to them all at the beginning of the movie, showing that they each have kind of a different prerogative for going into this. But even though they have different intentions, they still want the same outcome. And that's for the world to watch and see, because this was about the drafts for the Vietnam war, protesting that protesting the tyranny of, you know, having the draft and everything like that. And it goes through that. You see like the different perspectives of why these people are doing this and how they intend Mm -hmm. to do it. And we kind of get a little bit of flashbacks of the protests and how they're doing it as they're explaining it in the court. The cast of this is absolutely packed. It This cast oh, is yeah. probably one of the most packed I've seen for a Netflix movie before. Because this Dude, is a Netflix movie. I didn't even know that was Mark Wylance. He is such a chameleon actor. Oh, such yeah. a character actor. I didn't know that was Mark. I thought that was some other guy. It took me a while to realize, because I noticed um, Sasha Baron Cohen's character in it, but it took me probably a good 20 minutes into the movie to realize that was Sasha Baron Cohen. Like, I recognized really? him. But I couldn't see any... Really? I knew that was Sasha. Oh, see, I had it in the back of my head of, I know who this is. I know who this is. Why can I not put a pin on it? And it, it, it was something that he said that I was like, oh, yeah, that's Sasha Baron Cohen. Okay, now I got it. The Chicago accent gave it away for me, man. I just i I knew that was uh <laughs> that was Borat trying to act. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just I'm being funny. He did a good job. Oh, he but, did um, a ma- every yeah. single person was great in this movie. Uh, you know, I can't attribute to how well they were portraying each character because I don't know. I didn't look further into like the different people and how they acted during the actual court case. So I don't know if you know it was accurate to that. But I know that it was accurate to, like, the outcomes and everything like that. Like, the different people and what groups they were a part of and everything were accurate. Well, look, man, I'll say this. Um, Aaron Sorkin, um, one thing I've noticed about him, um, and he said it before in interviews, he comes from a family of lawyers. And you can tell with almost every project he does, a few good men. I know Molly's Game has something to do with with someone going to jail or something. Um, This... Uh, newsroom, uh, social network, everything is always settled around, you know, legalities, you know, being in court or being sued or something like that. And there's always like a frame story. Like the social network is a frame story. Most of it, the present day Mark Zuckerberg is being sued by the Vanderboss, the Vanderboss twins. I don't know their last name. Yeah. And his former partner in this film, they're the Chicago seven. They're on trial. And they're in his flashbacks and leading up to what's going on and in between court dates, going back to the headquarters. Um, I like the way Sorkin sets up a story because he 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 knows how to keep the audience on their toes. Of course, he, you know, kind of invented the whole walk and talk thing in his with his dialogue, which is which is fun to look at. But um, I like how he he sets all the chess pieces up Um in the beginning and he really just lets the game play out in, in front of us. Yeah. We're introduced to all the characters, but we don't exactly know who they are and and it's kind of slowly revealed as the movie goes on who these people are. Right. And, um, 
Yeah, man. Um, overall, uh, I thought this was a pretty solid film. Um, I, I like that it takes place in one setting. I was never. It's an it's an engaging film. Um, I'd say it's a little less engaging than than Spotlight. Just a little less. Well, no, I'd say this film is more entertaining than Spotlight, but less engaging than Spotlight. Um, but I, uh, you know, if we're if we're going down the list of actors, um, Sasha Baron Cohen did great i think him and jeremy strong they're they're a great matchup with oh this yeah film. They, they were a great team up for you know um comic levity and just for like their their characters um you know um eccentricness in contrast to uh what's my man name i know his name eddie redmayne you know he's the uh you know he's the um he's the he's the i don't want to say the well-mannered kid but he's uh He's the do-gooder with a rebellious mindset, you know what I mean? And he doesn't like, you know... The one the, that kind of uh, has a little bit of the speech impediment. Speech impediment? No. Or the way you that he, like, Redman verbalizes is. himself? No, the character, not the actor. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, I didn't even know he had a speech impediment. He had one? Yeah, there was a little bit of like how he enunciates words and everything like that because isn't that a big point in one of the oh, yeah. pieces Sasha of evidence? Baron Cohen talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Um yeah. Where I guess yeah. it's not a speech impediment. It's just kind of like a speech pattern he has where he drops out words, you know, because he doesn't like using possessive words or anything. And even um John Carroll Lynch's character, you know, he's uh, you know, he's a He's a dad, you know, he's a, he's a faithful husband, great father, but he, he has a rebellious mindset too. He's a, he's a, he, he's kind of like the adult version of Eddie Redmayne's character, you yeah. know what I mean? And but he they, has a very peaceful kind of rebellious side. Like he is Definitely. very, I don't want anybody to get hurt. I want, you know, to protest, but I don't want anything, anyone to get hurt, nothing to get damaged. I want to just make sure that it's known that it's possible but never be the one to throw the punch. Just make it known that you could throw the punch. Definitely. Um, I didn't know. I, I really did not know about this trial. This is something that um, as the film is going along and you see everything that's happening, you do kind of, there were many points where I did shake my head. One of many points where um, Yaha Abdul-Mateen, uh, the second. Oh, uh, Bobby um, Seal. Bobby Seal, dude. Yes. He was just treated so wrong in that court, you know, to the point where he's like, look, I had nothing to do with this. Why am I here with these people? And, you know, if you know the story of Fred Hampton and, you know, his, um, you know, um, connection to him, you would understand why he was like painted as a villain in the court by uh, Frank Legala's character, who was the judge, um, even to the point where this man is like, like gagged in court. Like, I just I just shook my head like, man, I never knew about that about all this. Yeah, this movie does a great job of making you absolutely hate that judge. Absolutely yeah. hate that judge. Um, who was it that played the judge? Uh, Frank Langala. Frank Langala, that's right. Uh, he is amazing at playing a character you want to hate. He did the same thing in the show Kidding with Jim Carrey. Where, I still gotta watch that show. Oh, you definitely need to because he plays the perfect role of the person you hate in the movie. You know, he takes all the hate that you can feel for everybody. Like you know that the uh, 
what is it, the prosecutors and everything like that, they're not exactly good people. Jorson Gordon-Levitt plays kind of a nice, like, middle-ish to that. He's a, he's a nice person on the, on the other side. Right. He, he's, yeah. he knows that he's doing his job, you know, and everything like that, but he's not a terrible person. He still uh, has humanity. Right. With the judge, you can tell he's he's got a vendetta. He already has declared who's winning this uh, court case and everything like that, and he's just there to make sure it happens how he wants it to happen. And it's... it. There's this is one of those few movies that you know it, you just get so angry and like frustrated at it you like pause it to just kind of like take a breath and go god damn this movie you know I yeah. I want to punch these characters <laughs> and then yeah, you just push just, play again <laughs> yeah it's the moment where the big clash happened in the, in the, um in the park you know that moment the moment where Eddie Redmayne's character tried to um. Uh, save a kid from getting uh, beat up by the uh, wasn't the police, but it was these bunch of punks who were trying. No, it was the police. Yeah, yeah it was the police in that one. Uh, yeah. There was also the one with uh, I can't remember the person that always sat next to Sasha Baron Cohen's character. There was also the scene with him and Jeremy the Strong. three. He was, he was trying, yeah, he was trying to save a woman from getting raped. Yeah, by three frat uh, boys that were kind of harassing the protest the entire time. Definitely. Um, yeah, man, I, uh, I very much, uh, I enjoyed this movie, man. Um, I was going to say, uh, what's interesting to me is that, um, I had never, I had always known Sorkin was a great writer, but I had never seen what he could do as a director. Cause I had never seen Molly's game. Um, so I, so I jumped into this one and, um, He's a very, he's he's a talented director. I feel oh, yeah. like yeah he 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 knows how to um, bring his story to life. Because uh, some you know some writers they're not directors they're just writers and that's fine. Some directors aren't writers. Because um, uh, originally Steven Spielberg was supposed to direct this movie and I can I can see it so much, dude. Oh there's yeah. So there's there's so many Spielberg Spielbergian moments like the ending when um. You know Eddie Redmayne's reading off the uh, the young men in, who were killed in Vietnam, and everyone's like 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 uh, like like protesting. Slowly standing and, up and yeah. You know, Frank Lucas was like knocking the gavel like order order. That's such a Spielbergian ending. Yeah. Like I, I I could see it. Yeah. It. What was it? You got to keep it professional. Um. You know. What was the three like uh, things? You know, the court will look very kindly on you if you keep, you know, your final closing words as professional, uh, something else, and then brief and respectful. Right. Professional, right. respectful, and brief. Show that you're, show that you're with brief. our side. Show that you're you're not with this uh, foolishness. Yeah. And, and um, you can yeah. tell that he picked him out as a person that would read it because he showed the most respect in the court the entire time. And that one level of defiance and that pure professionalism as he just pulled out the list and went, I'm going to use this time to read out the names of all the people that have died in Vietnam and or all the kids that have died in Vietnam due to the draft that uh, were enlisted unfairly. And then he just starts reading the list of the name of the person and their age, I believe it was. Um... I don't know if he named their age, but I know he read out their names. Yeah. 
and just you slowly see everybody kind of stand up in court and everything like that. You know, even uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt's character, who was one of the prosecutors, uh, stands yeah. up and you know shows respect for the uh, army. You know, those that have fallen, you got to show respect. And right. the other prosecutor just walks out of the building because he's just fed up with it. So yeah. I, I'm very curious how on the nose a lot of this was when it comes to how it actually occurred versus in the movie. Because, uh, you know, I know with them dropping Bobby Seal out of the case w- was something that did happen and everything like that. And I know it did happen in that way, too. Uh, so that much I do know was not kind of brought out of context. That was exactly how it all occurred. Yeah, I um, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing research on that. Um, I want to say this film has a very, you know, very good one-liners, man. A uh, very mm-hmm. good uh, uh, typical Sorkin rapport. Like, uh, I like when Shasha Baron Cohen asks um John Carroll Lynch, like, "Hey, you got some money?" He says, "Yes, I'm a grown man." Yeah, money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an adult. <laughs> right. Yeah, there, there's uh, also when, you know, he starts like harassing the judge and like that's even in the very beginning. You can kind of start getting an idea of who these characters are uh, right. because the judge is going through and going, the, the defendants are these people. I would like to say that even though I have the same name as one of the defendants, I am not related to them in any way. You know, right. there's... And, you know, the defendant, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, father, how dare you? <laughs> and right, 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 you can right. see that. And what was it? The, the defense uh, had, what was it, 14 counts of contempt on them by the end of the trial? The defense lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Mark, Mark Ryland's character. And... Um, <laughs> I just thought it was so funny how Jeremy Strong, uh, he was just so heartbroken over that uh, undercover FBI agent. Yes. It's like, man, we, I mean, we, we, we didn't go all the way, but, you know, I was digging her, we, man. We were t- taking it slow. Right. You didn't have to play with my heart, man. Yeah. That's wrong. You you can spy on us, you can wiretap us, but don't play with my heart, man. Right. And, oh, yeah, even when they're like, they meet uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt outside, it's him and Sasha Baron Cohen's character, and he even asks, does she ever talk about me? <laughs> does she bring me up at all? And, right, yeah. Right, right. Uh, what do you think of Michael Keaton's scene? Um, not just the one, well, when he was, the, the scene is pretty good when he's in court, too, but when they're going to um, to meet him, meet with him. You know, you, you really don't know where the chips will fall and if he's really going to, like, like, testify as a witness but um you know i like how um eddie redmayne straight up says to him like sir you have to have courage and then mark is like no no don't ruin this don't ruin this yeah shut up you don't know shut up (laughs) right and then finally he does uh he does take his advice and says you know what yeah uh they offered to uh uh, let me in on one of their deals but uh I'll, i'll go with you guys yeah, or no, these people are here because they previously told me that uh, I'm not allowed to talk, and if I talk, it would be the end of any future career that I expect to have. So I called them here today so they could hear me when I say, when do you want me on the bench? You know, 
And right. yeah, I absolutely love that scene. He, Michael Keaton is one of those actors that can come out even in a cameo role with a small part like that. His like even brief, maybe 10 to 15 minutes he's in the movie is one of the like most memorable parts of the movie. And it also helps that it's a huge part of the case and shows like just how biased the judge is and how the defense had to really fight uphill on this one. Because it, with one of the like best witnesses, he refuses to allow the, uh, what is it, uh, anybody to really know that this part of the, you know, this uh I guess witness was even in the courtroom when it came to like the final decision. Like he wanted it wiped completely off the board and he tried to stop it the entire time. He didn't want people to hear what he said. Right. Yeah. Like the jury were outside of the room. Uh, He had the stenographer uh, remove it from the records and everything like that. Like he did not want you know, this witness to be a part of the case because he knew that this witness was the like star witness for the defense. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's Uh a major scene. I'm glad they gave it to Keaton because he knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. I I could see that. Who you think is going to be like the main, the main nominee here. You think it's going to be Sasha because it's Sasha. Um, honestly, I think it's going to be the judge. I can never remember his name, but he... Franklin Gala. Franklin Gala. Yeah. He, I think he is going to be one of the major ones. Uh, Sasha definitely had a bigger role, but that's because he was kind of the comedian of the group. Yeah. Right. Uh, everybody, it's not like he did any better than anybody else that was a part of the seven. It's just he had the most memorable lines because he had the funny banter and the funny lines and everything like that. Uh, even like at the beginning of the movie when they're like walking into the court and uh, the one oh, person, the egg. the egg, you don't know what to do with the egg now, do you? <laughs> no, uh, no, don't. I don't. <laughs> that was funny. And so, yeah, he just he has the more memorable lines because they're the easily quotable one liners that he has. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't necessarily think that his performance was better than anybody else's. Everybody knocked out of the park, but the judge, just him managing to uh, be the most hated character in this entire thing. And he kept with it the entire time. And I think if anybody deserves a nomination for this movie, it would be him. That's my thoughts on it. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I think, I, I think he does a great job of portraying someone that you really just don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not even don't like he, he literally embodies everything you would hate about a single person. And yeah. he pushes that through in a span of two hours and I like how even like in the epilogue kind of text, it uh, shows that 78% of lawyers said that he was unqualified for the position of judge. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah, I give this uh, I give it a 4.5. 
I, I think this is another five to me. This one, especially since I've literally had six people come to me and tell me I need to watch this, some of which aren't even moviegoers and everything. It's it, it. I absolutely love this movie. Every performance knocks it out of the park. It's a very entertaining movie. And, you know, it, there are a couple slow moments in it, but it, those slow moments are, like, the very informative moments that you need in order for it. Like, them coming to the realization of this, uh, the witness, the old, uh, you know, defense attorney and everything like that. And so there are slow moments with it, but I think that those slow moments are needed in order for the movie to progress the way it does. And it definitely paints a great picture of just how biased the court was with everything between the seven, with Bobby Seale, with the witnesses, with the way that evidence would appear out of nowhere, with the way that even the jury that uh, was kind of slanting toward the uh, defense, how they use different tactics to get them out to replace them with different people that would not feel as sympathetic toward the defense. Like, there, this is an important movie because there is a lot that it kind of shows, and it shows it in an entertaining way of just how biased a courtroom could be and how, like, uphill some defense has to be because the government is literally against them. Yeah, I can agree. I can understand what you're saying. Yeah. Like, Spotlight, um, there's a lot of, like, hidden, like, we don't want to talk about that. You know, this is kind of, we, we keep this secret. Uh, this is very, this is an attack on the people and run by the government. It's, we see a lot of this kind of in the current day, even, in uh, some cases. Uh, yeah. So, it's it's not like it's something that is no longer relevant. It's still relevant today even i'll give i i'll say it like this man i give i give spotlight a slight more edge because i feel like it had a it has it has slight more edge to it um i feel like chicago seven was you know more entertainingly written as is a sort as a sorkin film is but i felt like spotlight kind of had a bit more of a hold on me yeah yeah i can it, say it, they it both get a five out of five from me for different reasons Mm-hmm. But they both stand out as five out of five films for me. Okay, all right. Which which one are you putting over what? I, I'd had to say Spotlight over Chicago Seven. Okay, all right. Yeah, and that uh, that one won Best Picture too, huh? Did it win Best Picture? It won Best Picture and Best Screenplay. Ah, okay. I knew it won Best Screenplay. I didn't know Best Picture though. Yeah, Academy Award. But yeah, yeah, not a bad it, film. Man. It I'm deserves glad, glad it. One hundred percent. It deserves it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not bad. I, uh, I, don't, I don't. I don't feel bad that I. Um, well, not that I don't feel bad, but it's like I. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that we watched it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Both of these movies were absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend people watch both of these movies. You might already know the outcome of the movie, but seeing it actually play out and all the work that went into them and everything like that for like the court case and for getting the newspaper uh, article out, it's it's good because especially when it comes to like news reporting as you mentioned before it can be very boring especially when they translate to film like there was just the uh one just a couple years back uh around the same time actually about uh 
What was the big government scandal before Watergate? Um, before Watergate? Yeah. Um, it. Um, I mean, that's the only main one I remember. Yeah, I'm trying to think. What was it? What was it about? What was what was the scandal about? I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but it was one of those like you saw like the press as they were trying to build the case and everything like that, and. Oh, you're talking um, about The Post? The Post, that's Cruise what it was. Street. Yep. Yeah, that was a good movie. That was a solid movie. Yeah, but it had a lot of, like, boring kind of... It, it had its moments, but there was, was a... a little boring. There yeah. was a lot of fluff in there that just made you lose kind of attention to it for a little bit. Uh, I, you I, didn't I really have just, that with Spotlight. Right. I really just watched The Post because it was Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. Like, I mean, that that's the main selling point for that movie for me. Um, Ian Spielberg made it, but, you know, Spielberg is Spielberg. Um, mm. Only thing I'd say, I don't think Spotlight should have got Best Picture over Fury Road. Other was that, that the same deserved, year? Yeah, that was the same year. Oh, okay. I, Other than that, it deserved to win. It deserved to win, but, yeah, Fury Road is definitely, yeah, if it won over Fury, that's a hard pick. It's not. It's really not. Fury Road. <laughs> there was nothing like it before, and there's nothing like it after. It's true. That's very true. But yeah, there's that. This one, it if it was another year, it definitely deserves accolades. That's one hundred percent for certain. Dude, I gotta tell you something, man. I um, I've seen quite a few movies since you and I have last talked. So um. So have you have you seen anything outside of these two? Since um, I have. There when I was actually uh, this recently down in Florida with some uh, friends and everything. Uh, one friend had not yet seen uh, anything by like Edgar Wright outside of Baby Driver, so ended up doing an entire Edgar Wright marathon of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, At World's End, and Scott Pilgrim. Uh, also, oh, I bet you were having a great time. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Because I absolutely love those movies. Uh, Scott Pilgrim is still one of my all-time favorite movies of all time. And then also did uh, a watch for Watchmen from Zack Snyder. Oh, Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. And there were a couple others that we kind of watched as well, but I'm not remembering which one's off the top of my head. I I got some slight bad news for you, man. Um... Last night in Soho got delayed again. Yeah, October 2021. But man, yeah. this second pre-orders go up for that ticket. I don't care if theaters are shut down. I'll find a way to pry the door open and start the film They'll reel myself. <laughs> They'll be open. You just gotta, you know, just be safe. They'll be open. Yeah, but on the other side, we got uh, Kong versus uh, Zilla pushed up to March now. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh that's coming real soon. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to, man. Um Denzel and Rami Malik, the little things next week. On really? HBO Max. Yeah, is that seen one the previews? Of the, I, I remember seeing the previews for that one. I didn't realize that that was coming so soon though. Yeah, next week. Uh it's coming on HBO Max. It's one of those films that, you know, HBO Max made a deal on that was supposed to come to theaters. Um, it looks it looks okay. It looks all right. I probably, probably can't go wrong with um, you know Denzel, Rami, and Jared. Should be should be fine. Oh yeah. Uh, but dude, 
Oh, man. I saw... Uh, let me run down the films I saw, man. I saw this film called American Skin. Um, it was directed and starred in by uh, Nate Parker, who made Birth of a Nation. This is a much better film, dude. Um, it, 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 Birth it, of a Nation a, was kind of boring to me. I wasn't... I, I wasn't like, into that one. I, I feel like the the movie itself was okay, but the history lesson the history lesson was necessary because yeah. not a lot of people know about Nat Turner. Um, so that's one of the reasons I kind of like supported that movie when it first came out. But yeah, Birth of a Nation is just okay. But this movie is, in my opinion, way better. Um, this is a movie that's like shot in like found footage for well not. Not found footage format, but it is it's it's shot in um handheld format. It is from the aspect of uh, somebody filming. So every every scene it's like um that film first person perspective man. kinda. Yeah, kinda. Somebody's filming somebody in every scene. So um uh Nate Parker uh, plays a US veteran who's um who uh whose son was um shot down, you know, wrongfully by the police. They were pulled over and um you know um things got a little rough and his son was shot down um the cop who did it goes to trial he gets off so Nate Parker um hatches a plan with his um other marine friends to um go to a police station and hold the cops hostage and they have like this little thing where they 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 put the cop on trial and the jury are the in, are the inmates that are locked up at the prison mm-hmm. um Dude, I, I know uh, to some people it might sound a little gimmicky or a little politically motivated, but it was actually a pretty good movie, man. I um I thoroughly enjoyed it because I was a little iffy about it at first. I was like, eh, I don't know, is he gonna stick the landing on this one? But um, I actually liked the movie, dude. I I recommend it. Um, but a movie I saw that was uh even better, uh, One Night in Miami. Wait, who starred in that one? Um, so Regina King directed it, but, um, it has like, um, uh, that's the one with like Morgan Freeman and no, no, no. Okay. So, so basically it's, it's, it's just like, it's just like, um, like night where it's like Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, John Brown, no, Jim Brown and Sam Cooke, um, in the sixties, they're all celebrating like Muhammad Ali's win against Sonny Liston. And it's just basically like them hanging out in, in one night and, you know, going over, like everything in their lives, and it's like if you're familiar with like those four figures, the film is great. If you're not like familiar with like like two out of four of them or three out of four of them, it can come off a little like. So what makes this person so important? What have they done in their career? Like you need to like know these figures in order to enjoy that movie. But it's a pretty good movie, dude. Regina King did a great job directing it. Um, yeah, I, I, I remember would, seeing like posters for that one and everything like that. Yeah, man. Um, plus, the guy who plays uh, Jim Brown, uh, Aldis Hodge, does a great job. And the guy who plays Muhammad Ali is great. Uh, um, I also saw uh, two more movies, dude. Um, the Lodge. It's like this horror film with Riley Cole. You know who Riley Cole is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's. Go ahead. I'm trying to remember this one. When did this one come out? It was 2019. It was about this uh, woman who's um, hanging out with her fiance's two children out in this lodge in the middle of the winter, and um, things are getting like uh, things get a little creepy because she comes from um, she has kind of like a messed up past. 
like um uh she like her her family was like involved with this cult so like those like past demons are starting to revisit her and um yeah like it's a um it's a really it's a, it was it was a really good horror film man it was a good psychological film for all you out there that like those kind of movies i would recommend that but um dude i really want to talk about this last movie here dude called the villainous it's this south korean action film from like 2017 dude it's one of the greatest opening action sequences i've ever seen dude like have you heard of this movie the villainous i haven't is it uh completely subtitled it is okay but that's not even a problem because it's just such a good movie. It keeps you engaged. Like you know the raid, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> this this is like the female raid, bro. Cuz the main character is a woman and she's a um she's a hit woman and it's just the action in this film is just straight up. So it's just full like, on action. It's basically another cuz the raid is very similar to like John Wick in terms of like nonstop action. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a little bit of come down, but yeah, it's, it's nonstop action. Um, the the whole the whole opening action sequence, most of it is like in first person, like in first person, uh, first POV, mm-hmm. and it's just it, you just marvel at the way it's directed because it really feels like you're playing a video game, and it just like it just it's, it's just so awesome. Nice. Yeah, I would highly recommend the villainous man. Yeah, if it's anything like the raid, yeah, I'll I'll sit down and watch that because I love that movie. Because uh, it even got a sequel, didn't it? The raid. Yeah, raid one and two. Yeah, I was gonna say I vaguely remember there also being a sequel to that one. And yeah, if it's anything like that, I guarantee I'll enjoy that movie, the villainous. It's basically villain and then s at the end, like like you know the villainous. The princess, or something like that. Twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen, my friend. Yep, I got it. I will yeah. find where I can. Was that on a streaming service or? Um, it might be. I okay. mean, um, yeah, it might be. Uh, I'll find yeah. it then. <laughs> it, it was a good movie. Uh. We got any more? We got any movie news to talk about? Oh, it looks like Cyborg is a uh, uh, Cyborg is fired. Ray Fisher. Yeah, Ray Fisher is officially out of the DC uh, lineup. So Cyborg uh, kind of was already canceled prior to this, uh, but he's been removed from the Flash as well. Which, according to many sources that have, like, read the screenplay for The Flash and everything, uh, Cyborg was, like, a major part of it. Like, he was in, like, two-thirds of that movie. So Mm. for him to be removed from that movie means that they're either going to recast Cyborg or the Flash movie has to be rewritten now. Because even in the uh, small cameo he has in the CW Flash during the... uh, multiverse kind of uh crossover event uh he mentions uh cyborg in that and people were thinking that was going to lead into the flash movie and for them to now have to either recast or rewrite that part and i have a feeling they're going to have a hard time finding a recast for that one yeah and some people keep recommending to do 
dude that plays him on Doom Patrol. I don't watch that show, but they keep recommending him. I don't. He's not a bad cyborg, uh, but I don't think moving him from Doom Patrol over to the movies would make sense because they have a completely different kind of like costume design and everything, and I don't see how they would be able to morph him over. Uh, not only that, it just he's not bad for TV. I don't know how he would translate to a movie though. Mm-hmm. I understand. I understand. Um, yeah. Uh, in addition, uh, Netflix is. Uh, well, before we get into that, man, I really hope um, Ray Fisher lands on his feet because outside of the Cyborg, outside of Cyborg, all I know him for is for playing the son in in True Detective season three. Um, I hope he doesn't get blackballed for this, and I hope. I just would like to know what, like, what the hell happened. Like, he doesn't really go into detail about it. Like, it's really just that, you know, Josh Whedon treated us unfairly. Yeah, it sounds like Josh Whedon did a a lot, or Josh Whedon, not Josh. Uh, Josh Whedon did a lot of terrible things on set that were seen as, like, very racist and very against Ray. And got a lot of the crew on it as well. And when he brought it up to the CEO of WB... Uh, he basically was told, don't worry about it, and it got all swept under the bus. So right. it, the fact that he continually pushed for it and is actually going to court with them and everything like that, I have a feeling that we're going to get more light on that as it becomes like public record and the court case goes through and everything. And yeah. so... I mean, I give him my hat tip. You know, I it's very brave, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, I just want to know what happened. I do too. I am very curious to know the details on this one. Uh, but yeah, he's he's probably gonna be blacklisted from Hollywood for a couple of years after this, because there's gonna be that fear that if something happens on set regarding him, that there's you know gonna be trouble out of it. So right. it, there's gonna be that fear for a couple of years at least. Uh, especially depending on how the court proceedings go, because if the court proceedings don't become public, there's going to be a lot more fear. But if the court proceedings become public and we find out it was actually like really terrible stuff, like very blatantly, you know, nobody should be doing this kind of stuff. Uh, it's going to be a lot easier for him to find work for kind of complaining about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I also wanted to say, uh, uh, oh, I saw another movie, too, that I want to talk to you about. Promising Young Woman with Carrie Mulligan. I want to say that I've seen the previews or the trailers for that. You've seen the previews. Um, You've seen the previews. Uh, Dude, that was a good movie, and I was expecting it to be good, man. Um, I I don't want to give away the plot because it's one of those films you kind of have to just jump in, but it's a great it's a great revenge story. I'll say that. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, back to back to movie news. Uh, Netflix says they're going to have a new movie every week. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. I'm curious to see how that turns out because Netflix, like especially their original movies, because is this all original movies or is it just new movies? Uh, I think it's uh, – I don't know about – I think – See, it gets a little, t- it gets a little, um, 
it gets a little dicey when you say original movies because Netflix does distribute movies. Right. So like I remember Anni- yeah, like I remember Annihilation was here in theaters, but it was being distributed by Netflix overseas. Um, you remember Annihilation with, with oh, Natalie yeah. Portman. Um, so I think they're distributing movies. I don't know if a lot of them are originals, though. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm curious to see what the actual kind of variation of like how many of these are Netflix funded and how many are just distributed by Netflix. Uh, like because... our boy. No, I was going to say our boy, Adam McKay. Um, he's coming out with a new film with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence called Don't Look Up. That's going to be distributed on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of those movies are hit or miss. You know, you, you have Chicago 7, you know, is one of those ones that stands out. But it, there's so many Netflix movies that I've watched that I've already forgotten because they're just not good. <laughs> have you been watching the right ones? Because I think uh, they've stepped it up over the years. This last year, I think they've definitely stepped it up. Uh, 2020 was a good year for them. 2019 was an okay year for them. 2018 and like past that, it it gets gets sketchy. I don't know, man. Because when you look at films like The Platform, which was a pretty good um a pretty good horror film for a Netflix film, um, I just I was gonna tell you the other day I saw I saw most of John Woo's latest film Manhunt, which is a Netflix film. It's so over the top, but it's so John Woo. There's even there's even a scene with doves, man. There like, has to be a scene with doves. Yeah, like it was such a great movie, man. It gave me face off vibes. You you should check it out. Um, but I feel like Netflix original films have stepped it up, man. Um, you got Roma with Alfonso Cuarón. You know, I thought that I think that won Best Picture, but I'm not sure. I think it was nominated. You got Scorsese for Irishman. You got Noah. Uh, Noah Baumbach's uh, Marriage Story, like they uh they got a lot of good films on there, man. Yeah, I like I said the last like couple years they've been better at it, but there's still a lot that they had prior to that. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the ones because I know that especially when they started doing their original series and everything like that, like Orange is the New Black was their big hit, but they had a couple movies coming out House too. House of Cards and too. House of Cards was a huge yeah. hit, but it was basically um, just their television shows were becoming huge hits. Their movies were just not landing at all. I'll say this, man. There's a Forrest Whitaker film um, that's a Netflix film that, the the film had potential, but it was just so it was it was it was kind of a little boring to me. Um, I forgot what the name of it was, but that movie I'll, I'll agree with you on that. Yeah, uh, that, that's the thing is I can't remember the names of any of the movies because they just have been evaded from my memory. I at got this you. Point. Yeah, they 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 suck that bad. Yeah, I got you. Um, yeah, I, I can hear you on that, but um, yeah, it's it's a different climate, man. A lot of things are coming out straight to uh well to movies and to on demand i don't really want to see that tom hanks film dude as much as i love tom hanks i don't really want to watch news of the world uh yeah i'm i'm probably gonna watch it because it has tom hanks in it but right you know uh so far i think i've only seen one trailer for that one and it didn't pull me in beyond going hey tom hanks is in this so you know you kind of have to watch it (laughs) Let me tell you what's going to happen. He's going to be the old, tired, uh, former soldier 
who's had a lot of weathered times behind him, but he's a nice, noble man. He's going to have that little girl as his, uh, is trying to return her back home or whatever. They go run into some trouble, and he's going to save the day. That's what a Tom Hanks film is. I man. was going to say, you just described Tom Hanks's career in like film right there. <laughs> I, I'm a little, I'm a little curious about Greyhound though. That looks, that looks like you know. I never saw Captain Phillips. You never watched Captain Phillips? No. The only, the only thing I seen is that scene. You know, where he's like, "Look at me, look at me. I am the captain now." Oh, that's, that's not even one of the best scenes in the movie. That's just one of the like notable ones near like the beginning. You know, I haven't seen the Da Vinci Code either. I don't really want to see that movie. Uh, that one's pretty good. I haven't seen okay. it in a long time, so I can't really. But I remember I like Tom liking Hanks, man. it. Yeah, I like Tom Hanks. I just, you know, some of the big action star. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm sold on the action star Tom Hanks. I like the drama Tom Hanks. You know, like I, I haven't seen it, but I bet I would like Sully. I've never actually you watched know, he, Sully. Yeah, where he plays the pilot that saves the plane, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I remember when that one was in theaters, but I never watched that one. The only movie I remember where Tom Hanks played an actual bad guy was uh, this film with Jude Law, and it was called Road to Perdition. Jude Law. When did he, that he was one... A, he, it was like 2000-something. Like, you know, it, it was some time back, and... John, Tom Hanks was the main character, but he was a gangster. Um, that wasn't a bad movie, dude. Um, another thing, dude, I've never seen uh, Pennsylvania with him and Denzel Washington. I never saw that movie. Philadelphia, I, not Pennsylvania. Philadelphia. Okay, I was going to say, I, I remember one about Philadelphia, but not Pennsylvania. Right, right. Um yeah, I might watch it, man. I, I might watch News of the World. I might. Go ahead. What were you about yeah, to say? I'm trying to remember the name of it, but there is one uh, movie coming up to streaming about uh, a brother that's trying to become a comedian. He comes back to help his brother because uh, his wife is coming down with cancer and can't take care of the kids and everything like that. I'm trying to remember the name of the movie. It comes out soon, but it's one that was... Uh, I'm trying to remember... Um, Everybody that's in it. I, I'm really drawing a blank on it. I want to say it's one of the ones that's coming to HBO Max, though. Uh, uh, we can look it up. But um, I ain't got a problem with this HBO Max deal, man. But I can see how a lot of directors do. It, it, it's, being, it's being said um, it might be the end of uh, one, a... Let me ask you something else, dude. Did you happen to check out the uh, series finale of Agent Orange? This for I don't think I've ever watched that series at all. Agent Orange. Never watched that show, dude. That show was hilarious, man. And okay, so here's the premise: um, Donald Trump becomes president. A lot of horrible things happen. Um, the last season's a little problematic because it's it's, it's kind of all over the place. A pandemic happens. Uh, protests start building up um but it has one of the greatest endings ever dude like i saw the series finale um not too long ago pretty good pretty good show man i wouldn't watch it again because it felt a little too real to me okay that one's on netflix as an original 
Did you hear what I said? You just said Netflix. I know. No, I said, I said, here's the premise. Donald Trump becomes president. A lot of crazy things happen. I said the last season was kind of reaching. There was a pandemic. There were protests and everything. But the, but the last episode is so great. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm trying to find this one movie. I, it's like on the tip of my tongue for <laughs> this one that's coming up. Did that joke really go over your head? It did. It, it did go over my head entirely. I, I got what you're saying, though, now. Okay. Well, at least uh, all right, the kids out there will understand what I'm saying. The fans out there will get it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Is, is it called Gamora? No, it's not called Gamora. Um, I'm trying to... I don't know, man. I just saw that name here, so I just, I just, uh, I just said it. Let's see. Well, yeah, I'll find uh, it later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, 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 just let us I'll, know I'll, later. I'll text we'll you at some point randomly, and it'll just be the title of the movie <laughs> when okay. I find it. Uh. Wait, wait. Are you sure it's not called Tom and Jerry? No, no. I'm pretty sure that's not it. <laughs> Maybe it's this Godzilla versus Kong thing that I keep seeing popping up. <laughs> wait, no. I got it. Space Jam, A New Legacy. Nope, that's that it. The, that's the movie. That's for that's sure it. All right. There we go, folks. We found out. <laughs> but yeah. So, yeah, I think... Uh, we both agree spotlight over Chicago 7 or the trial of the Chicago 7. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, all right, folks, uh, we'll talk to you later. Uh, this has been another episode of Double Feature Versus.